Well, once again, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our City Builders online service. And if you're in our part of the world, if you're in Gippsland or even further afield, you're most welcome. Uh, for those that are attending the first time this morning, a very special welcome to you in Jesus' name. Uh, last week, I spoke about the grace to overcome, and I am continuing on with that uh, theme this morning. Since we've been in lockdown, we have entered an incredible new season in God. My own spiritual father has confirmed this, and we have felt this ourselves, and it's all also been recognised and uh, confirmed by many uh, recognised mature prophetic voices from around the nations. While the times have been incredibly uh, challenging in some way for all of us, and very challenging for, for so many, things have been happening behind the scenes. God has been at work in our lives, and, uh, and that's good, and, and also right across the nations. And we have certainly seen in this church God's supernatural provision and even his protection. Some of the features of this uh, season in God, we believe that at Passover this year, starting on the 8th of April, that the church in the nations began to enter into a new season. Uh, Passover was the start of that season in God. And already we've seen uh, increase in most areas of our lives. At Pentecost, which is coming up to the end of this month, something incredible is going to happen, and we believe this. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully, fully come, God poured out his spirit in that upper room. And uh, we believe, along with many others, that this Pentecost is going to be something very special because God has certainly arrested our attention in these last couple of months. So what happens then is that another dimension of God's Spirit is going to be released that brings the church in the nations to another level. Thirdly, the, next, the 200 days from Passover, leading right up to the Feast of Tabernacles, and shortly after, God will be at work, in the church especially. And I expect to see that we are going to see the emergence, uh, following that period, of a changed church, a transformed church. I don't know what you think of when you think of the church in the future, but I do believe that what we have had, though it may be good, God is going to do something so very special and something so powerful through churches like this. So whenever I think of the church of the future, I think of these words. I don't think of our name over the door or the name of the church down the road. I don't think of that name or, you know, we've all got our names. But Jesus, uh, I believe, he gave the church a name and it's the church of the living God. And I believe that God is going to do something. And uh, we are going to see the emergence of the church that Jesus started. So one of the significant features of this season is that God is releasing the grace to overcome. My daughter Anita asked me last night, she said, but Dad, isn't the grace always available to overcome? And it's a good question and I want to give you the answer to that. Yes, every day of our life the grace uh, is available to overcome, but there is something very special about this season that we have entered into. And it is like a God time. We are in uh, what I would call a Kairos time. 
And kairos time means the time that has been set by God before the foundations of the ages. In other words, there's things happening out in the world which are unprecedented and were unexpected to many people, to most of us. But during this time, God is doing something. And he is making available to the church the grace to overcome. And I just want to open this service in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for the seasons uh, that we find ourselves in. And I pray, Father, that you would make us like the sons of Isaac and that you would give us understanding of the times and the wisdom to know what to do. Father, I pray for an impartation into our church and into the, uh, the hearts of the listeners, the spirit of revelation and wisdom and understanding. Father, I pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding so that we could see the amazing things that you are going to do. Father, I pray that you would help us to see what you want done. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. So this is the Grace to Overcome Part 2. And I want to start by saying this. In this world, we will have challenges. I know you have had them. And you may be having them now. And I know that in my life, as I've been following God, I have had challenges. And, you know, one of our prime ministers, uh, Malcolm Fraser, made himself very famous many years ago by saying, well, life was not meant to be easy. And uh, this is a reality. But the thing is that God has given us the grace to overcome. Now, let us, uh, let's look at the words of Jesus to start with this morning. In John chapter 16, verse 33, uh, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, be of good cheer. Uh, you will have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. When Jesus, the Son of God, walked the earth, he overcame the world. He came under all the challenges and all the attacks, or attacks similar to the ones that we do, and all the difficulties, he faced them in his life, but one by one, he overcame those problems. So this is what Jesus said in John 16, 33. Secondly, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, 21, uh, Jesus was speaking to the seventh church in the book of Revelation. And there are seven churches there that he describes. And this one is called the lukewarm church. Jesus issued a challenge to the lukewarm church. And I'm raising this because I really believe that it's very significant. And it sounds a little bit like the church in the developed world today. You know, that has been overtaken by worldliness and, and is a bit like that. And he says these words to the church uh, there, the lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. In other words, he is inviting this church. He's coming to this church and he is knocking on the door of the church and he's wanting to come in. Isn't that an amazing picture that Jesus would have to knock on the door of the church that he uh, is the founder of, and to get in there, uh, because obviously he's been moved to the outside. 
And, and this is the challenge, but he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And then in the next verse it says, To him who overcomes. In other words, overcomes everything that comes against us, the worldliness and everything else. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and am seated with my father on his throne. The challenge is there for us now. You know, these words were spoken by, the, by, uh, by Jesus through the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. But these words speak to the future church, which is us. And the challenge is to us today. Uh, it's like say, God is saying to the City Builders Church here in Gippsland and every other church that is genuinely following him, I want you to overcome. So this is the challenge for us. Listen, this morning you may have something going on at the moment. You may be stuck in a rut. You may be just maintaining, going through your life, knowing that there is another level but stuck where you are. That is quite possible. Maybe there is, what, there is like a seemingly chronic condition that you are facing. And this can relate to health. It can relate even to mental health and conditions of the mind or, or body. Or it could relate to work or relationship um, issues. Now, by chronic issues, I mean issues that have been part of you so long that you don't know the way out of them. Sometimes addictions can hold us and we just can't see a way to break the cycle. This morning perhaps you feel as though you are in some kind of spiritual battle. I tell you, if you are moving forward with Jesus, this is not only a maybe but a strong likelihood. Right now our nations are in a spiritual war and nations are in the valley of decision. Decisions are being made by nations and the leaders of nations. Decisions are being made by uh, churches, you know, how they're going to follow God, or whether they really follow after him. And decisions are being made by communities, and even individuals, uh, multitudes in the valley of decisions, during this time deciding what they are going to do with the rest of their life, or with the future. So it, it's no surprise if you were in a spiritual battle because the world is pulling another way and at times it has its effect on you. I don't know your situation but I'm sure that there are some in the nation and some who are listening this morning that might feel quite helpless and quite powerless to change everything and I want you to know that this message is for you because the God that we serve as I said last week is the God of the breakthrough and when we begin to partner with God, even the most difficult situations can be turned around. So um, at this time, the church is emerging globally and the nations holds the key, I really believe. One of the favourite verses in the Bible to me is Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 18. And it, uh, or, or let's go back a little bit further to uh, verse 13. And it's when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, and he's asked his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? This is a very important question. 
And uh, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus really began to nail it down with his disciples. And this is important because he said, but who do you say that I am? And he, made, and he went right there to Peter. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and he said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys. And I want to highlight that little sentence there this morning that Jesus said to Peter, he said, and I will give you the keys. And Peter did give. Uh, Peter did have the keys uh, to the kingdom in his generation. But now God is giving the keys to the church and to every genuine believer that is born again and is a wholehearted follower of Jesus, God is giving us the keys so that we can rise up and we can overcome. So while you might not win every battle, we'll certainly win the war. Uh, 1 John 5, chapter 4 says this. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. In other words, when God initiates something, it's going to succeed. If an idea is born of God, it's going to overcome the world. You know, if, if God started the church, then we don't need to be too worried about what opposition we might see or, might, or what challenges we may have. Because Jesus is saying to the church, you will overcome the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever God started, God is going to finish in his time. You know, the purpose is going to be fulfilled there. This is very powerful. And I want you to know this morning that God and you are in a majority. I often say to myself, God and me, we are a majority. The third thing that Jesus said in Revelation, so firstly, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Now, secondly, he's challenging the church to overcome the world. But the third thing that did happen, and this is a prophetic word given to the Apostle John uh, 2,000 years ago, and he is speaking of the future church, he describes a full demonic attack that would come against the church. And that's incredible. But Jesus promises that the church, the one that he is building, and the one that he started, he promised that he would give them the keys, and he promised that that church would prevail. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 19, he speaks about what happens at the end of that battle. And he says, but they overcame him. Now this is amazing because if you go back a few verses, it talks about the old red dragon. You know, the old uh, demonic powers that have fought the church uh, for generations. And he says this, but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even to death. There's very, some very significant little pearls in this verse. First, they overcame him. Secondly, 
by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, when Jesus shed his blood 2,000 years ago, there was incredible power in the shedding of that blood. There really was, and that has its power in the church and in the life of every believer today. So one, they overcame him, the old red dragon, the devil of all, the, the spiritual forces of wickedness. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their own lives to death, is, a, is the, uh, the fourth thing there. So that is amazing. And I wanted to say to you this morning that something is happening right now. As, as uh, you know, we have felt it very much here that this is a time in God for our church to really reset and uh, my spiritual father, Dr. Jonathan David, many of the prophets from across the globe have been confirming this, this word. So this is why it's very important to understand the season we're in, because God determines the time. God determines the time. And secondly, God determines the place. And thirdly, God determines the people. You know, I've been a pastor for many years and, you know, uh, we've sort of grown and developed as a church. But I remember when we first started out, you know, you'd always think, well, it'll be sometime way, way, way in the future that God moves in our nation. Or, or uh, you know, other people say, well, it's happening over there, over the other part of the world. You know, over in America or over in Asia or even down there in Mexico, God's going to move there. And it was always someone else. But I want to bring this down to us today because I believe that God wants us to walk with an overcoming grace and with a victorious spirit over our lives because God decides the time. And I have beyond a shadow of a doubt believed that this is a Kairos time for this church, not only this church but many others. God determines the place. You know, I believe that these stables are very significant because God gave us that picture 34 years ago where as a 29-year-old, God spoke to me and he, said, and, I, and he said, one day there's going to be a church in there. And I repeat, repeated those words to my wife. Do you know what? God determines the time. God determines the place and God determines the people. And we are partners in this. Now, moving on, we are called to participate in the works of Christ. Wherever we are this morning, whatever we are doing, uh, you know, wherever we work, wherever we go during the week, we are called to participate in the works of Christ. And I want to, you just to understand the basics of what this is. He started the work. When Jesus came to the earth, he started the work with his first public appearance. In, uh, in the synagogue in Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 18, Jesus described his job description right there. And uh, in 1 John chapter 3, 8, it says, For this purpose did the Son of God become manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Do you know you don't have to go far to look into our world and see the works of the evil one? Where you see domestic violence, where you see broken marriage and homeless children, where you see uh, addictions of every kind, and you see people walking away from God and sliding away from God and, and their lives becoming so damaged and harmed. 
you know, where you see generational poverty, uh, let me tell you, there are very natural reasons for this, but this is the work of the devil. And Jesus came into the earth, and the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the work of the evil one. Now the church started the work. Sorry, Jesus started the, 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 uh, the work. And then the church was birthed in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And that is why this Pentecost is going to be very special. So Jesus, he, he came and he, and he, uh, he uh, walked the walk and he represented the kingdom. And then, uh, you know, he died for our sin. And, and on the third day, he rose from the dead and ascended into the heaven. But then he poured out his spirit on the church. And now he has given us an assignment and it is to finish the work that Jesus started. What he started in his geographical place as the gospel has gone out into the world and into the nations, now we have a job description. And it is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It is in Matthew uh, chapter 28. And it's talking about the Great Commission. And it is in Luke 4.18. And it says, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know, this is what Jesus said about himself. But these are the words to every believer and to every church. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is our divine assignment. It's an extraordinary thing, and it's amazing. I love the word anointing, because when God gives you a job, he also gives you an anointing. So the anointing is the supernatural grace, the ability that God gives to the church to get the job done. So we have been called to do a work and we are that finishing generation. So here's a couple of thoughts about our job in the city this morning and in our nation and wherever we are called to. Our job is to take our place. The Gospels say, occupy until I come. Our job description is to advance his cause in the city and in the nations and wherever we should go. Our job description is to overcome principalities and powers. Our job description is to destroy the works of the evil one. And he has given us an anointing to do it. So never say that you can't. Because whenever God says, I am sending you, he is giving you an anointing to do what you need to do. This is a remarkable thing. So we are talking about the key to overcoming. And in 1 John 5, 4, where I, I went before, it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. In other words, when you were born again, God put a seed on the inside of you and it cannot be destroyed. It's an incorruptible seed. It's the seed of the gospel. It's the seed of God's spirit on the inside of you. It's a seed. It's an incorruptible seed. And the scripture says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. 
Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The key to overcoming is our faith. And I wanted to talk about that this morning. Just open that up a little bit for you. Firstly, faith has its stages of development. One, it starts with a measure. In uh, you know uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the, the Word explains that we all have a measure of faith. Uh, you have faith. You have faith. You have faith. Whoever is watching in this morning, God says, I've given you the measure of faith. Don't ever think that you have not got enough faith to make something happen and to, and to get uh, great results and to see situations turn around because God says, I've given you all a measure. Do you know what? Everybody believes in something. And we've all been given a measure and it is like we have a choice of where we put that measure. We can put our measure, our absolute faith, into our investments and our business life. And we can put our measure there. Or we can put it into the political world and the governmental system. And we can put our measure of faith there. Do you know what? We can even put our measure of faith into atheism. Because I believe that atheism is actually a belief structure. And it's where people put their faith. Or you can put your faith in the Son of God. And this is what the scripture is saying this morning. Uh, that whoever believes, who is, is he that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, just where you are now, whether you're uh, you know, in the seats here or at home and you believe in the Son of God, just put your hand up because I'm talking to you. Because this is what the Word of God says. He who, uh, who is he that overcomes the world? He who believes. And you know, when I became a real believer, like I, was, I had my faith placed somewhere, but it wasn't quite in Jesus. But I remember those days... You know, back in Wodonga when I was being discipled in uh, Albury, Wodonga in the church up there, that I began to make real choices to put my faith in the Son of God. And I began to overcome things that had held me back. I began to break through limiting factors and this is what God does with you. So number one, you've been given a measure. Number two, in Mark 23, uh, it explains that your faith can become a possibility. In other words, if you believe, it says all things become possible. You know, if you don't believe in Jesus and you're not prepared to let him in that door that Revelation chapter 3 was talking about, then I would say to you this morning, God's grace is extended to you, but if you don't receive that grace, all I can say is best wishes. And I can be very sincere about that. But I want to encourage you this morning to begin to believe in Jesus and begin to open your heart to him because uh, the second stage of faith says that if you believe in him, all things are possible. In other words, you could have a very serious situation in your life, but it is possible that that could turn around. You know, when people are really stuck and really chronic, I often say, what do you believe? What do you see? And to get them to begin to speak words of faith. Because if they believe, all things are possible. The third dimension of faith 
You know, if we allow faith to develop and grow in our life as we walk with God, it can become a force in the church and in, the, and in our own personal life. And this is what I believe is happening here and in many churches like this. Because as we mature, as we follow Christ, as we work with Him, and you know, as we, we step out in faith, and as we grow in our faith, the faith on the inside of us becomes a force that can begin to move obstacles. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. It says, have faith in God. Because you've got to put faith in somewhere. And you've got to believe in something. But here, the gospel, Jesus is saying in the gospel of Mark, have faith in God. If you look at the original rendering, it actually means have the faith of God. You see the three dimensions there. One, you can have the measure of faith, which we all have. Number two, you can begin to place your life in, in, uh, in Jesus, the Son of God. And all things become possible. But when that faith becomes strong and developed on the inside of you and you grow in your faith, then that faith becomes a force in your life. And that puts you in a winning position. I can say to you this morning that God wants to put you in a winning position. In fact, in Mark eleven twenty two, it says, If you have that kind of faith, the faith of God, you can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll see the things. You know, I tell you, you can come to a place in your faith where you can really speak to situations and see them change. It's, it's there in the Bible and it's real. You know, a praying church is a powerful church because we corporately begin to speak to the mountains that are in front of us because God wants to open up the land. God wants to come in. God wants to change our environment totally and he's looking for his partners here. So let faith become a force in our church. This is very, very good. So uh, faith comes from hearing. How do we grow in our faith? How do you develop it? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the voice of God. I want to say it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the voice of God. You know, you can hear something with your ears and you can register it academically or intellectually but this kind of faith is the faith that speaks to your heart. And when God speaks, brings a word into your heart, that word become, that is a measure of faith that can become a possibility and it can become a force in your life. And certainly, you know, if you, uh, if you work with God like that, things can happen. In every situation and every, every circumstance, God is saying something. And this is what I want to bring to you this morning because I believe that amongst our listeners this morning there'd be people facing discouragement, ruts, areas where you can't break through, you know, maybe spiritual battles, maybe emotional issues, maybe even addictions. And you're thinking, what is the way out of this? Well, the key is you need to find the faith to break through. The measure of faith has got to become the possibilities of God to you and it's got to become a force on the inside of your life. 
And that is what I would call overcoming faith. Like it is a real heart thing where you begin to say on the inside, I'm going to win this. I'm going to turn this situation around. You know, I'm going to stand up to this thing that is coming against me. I'm going to see the power of addiction broken over my life because Jesus has anointed me and he said that that anointing was to set the captives free. You know, this is powerful stuff. This is the word of God and this is what God wants to do. Look, uh, you know, when I started out, I found it really, you know, uh, challenging at times to really trust God and believe God. But the more I've stepped out in faith, just little steps of faith, incredible things have happened that have just, you know, uh, really encouraged me. And I know now that God just backs me all the way. You know, when you are praying, God is backing you. The scripture says in 1 John 5, 14, it says, if we pray according to his will, if we line our lives up with his will, we're going to see miracles of answered prayer. This is wonderful. In every situation and in every circumstance, if we will tune our ear to heaven, God will begin to turn things around. In 1, Samuel's cha- 1 Samuel chapter 3, there had been... Uh, uh, generations of issues and God uh, was reaching out to the nation and it says in those days there was not much revelation in the land you know I don't know that it wasn't that there was no revelation or that God wasn't speaking it was that no one is listening and I often believe in the midst of our busy life and even sometimes in our church life we may not be listening to the voice of the Lord. And right here, a young boy by the name of Samuel ministers with Eli in the temple. And young boy, the young boy Samuel begins to pick up the frequencies of heaven and he hears the word of the Lord and a whole new prophetic cycle begins. It's amazing what can do when one person sets them apart to hear God. I want to ask you that this morning. Are you frustrated? Are you knowing that there is something more? Are you stuck? Or are you believing something even for, you know, maybe you've broken through personally, but you're believing for something in the city or regionally? Then if you begin to turn your heart to what God is saying, because God is speaking, a new prophetic cycle can begin. And I believe this is what he is doing right now. Now, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In every circumstance, I would encourage you to imply the, apply the principles of Isaiah 40, 31. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll rise up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. This is what the scripture says. Those that wait upon the Lord. How do you hear God? You wait on him. You wait on him. And it's sort of not, you know, uh, it's not getting yourself too comfortable on the couch on Sunday afternoon. That's not what it means. It's sort of not, you know, sitting uh, under a tree at the beach and waiting. It's not that. Those that wait... The wait actually means 
those that wait, it's like twist themselves around. It is like a braided cord. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This is what it means. Those that wait upon God, those that are active in the presence of God, those that are going, God, I know you're there and I know you want to speak to me. This is the starting point of true faith. Those that wait upon the Lord, and it says, shall renew their strength. One of my early mentors, Pastor Clark Taylor, used to always talk about this. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word renew means exchange. So today you might be feeling quite weak in an area. And you can pray like this. Father, I'm entwining my life around the Lord and I'm going to exchange my weakness for your strength. I'm going to exchange my sickness for your health. I'm going to exchange my problems for your answers for my life. I am going to exchange my confusion for your direction and your leadership. See, the problem is we're often too passive in our approach to God. But when I come to God, I'm learning more and more to engage with him in such a way that I'm entwining my life with him. And, uh, you know, this is such an incredible thing. Isaiah 40, verse 31, what a beautiful verse. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So when you wait on God, God will speak right into your heart. He'll confirm things in your heart. I want to just give you a little bit of a, uh, a check there because when God speaks, you've got to remember this and I also believe this is a challenge that many of us have that God actually does speak when we go to him and we often say, was that you, God? Remember this, the demonic powers hate the word. They hate the written word. And there's a parable of the sower where the sower went out And this is Jesus who sowed the seed. And straight away, a number of different reactions began to happen. And a lot of it is to do with the condition of the heart and the demonic world, the birds of the air coming and picking away the seed. Do you know what? The demonic world, the spirit of this world, hates the word of God and has from the beginning. The beginning of the fall of man, Adam and Eve in the garden, is God spoke, God gave the rules of engagement, but then the serpent came and began to speak and say, has God said? Has God said? You know, to really find the boundaries of our belief and to find a source of faith, we need to come back to the written word, but we need to be in this position of waiting on God and hearing. And then when we hear God, We lock it in. We learn to grab hold of it. You know, this boy Samuel, uh, God began to raise him up after there'd been generations of no hearing from heaven. And the Lord began to speak to him. I would dare say that he had spoken to many others, but they didn't break through to the next level. You know, at at the first time, Samuel didn't know that it was God that spoke to him. But I want to say to you, that God wants to speak to you every day. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is what the scripture says. This is the amazing, incredible, 
personal relationship that we can have with Jesus. Now, next thing. If you're in a situation where there is a chronicness about your problems, I believe last week I gave you a number of points there that I want you to go back over them. I want you to have a listen to them. If you're listening for the first time this morning, please have a look at last message because last week's message because there are vital keys in there. But this is one of the things that you've got to do. If you want to rise up, if you want to win, if you want to break through, imagine a church where all of us thought that way. We can rise up. We can change this. We can change the destiny of our city. We can reach our neighbours and our friends and our families. We can reach this place. We can even turn the tide in the region. I believe that capacity is in this house. The Bible says, if you've just got a mustard seed, the faith of a mustard seed, you can see these things happen. We've got to make a choice to believe. Have faith in God, the Bible says. Now listen to this. I want to say to this 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 morning, and this runs off last week, you have an incredible power to choose. We live in a nation where we have choice. You have power to choice. You can change the circumstances. You can do this. You can turn things around. You can break through. You can overcome. You can come from being a person who is not very confident and shy and you can begin to break through and you can begin to come what God has called you to be. You can see things change. You can be stuck in different, you know, uh, things that you would, you know, you just know that you're not where you should be. Well, you can begin to change it around because God's put his spirit on the inside of you. Make a choice. Say, this is the day I'm going to change. This is the day I'm going to turn my heart to God. This is the day I am going to begin to win. So you can do this, and I believe that as uh, Jesus setting the challenge to the church today, I believe that God has so called this church to be a breakthrough church, to break through in the city, to break through in the region, and even touch the nation. That is our heart. If Jesus could do it, and with 12, they turned up the known world in their time, we can see God move in a mighty way in our city and our nation. Now, here's a couple of issues I wanted to talk about this morning that are related to the key of faith. And the first one is the issues of the heart or the inward man. So the Bible also talks about, talks about the heart, the inward man, the spirit, and the hidden man of the heart. It's talking about the inner man, the true me that is on the inside. Now here's a couple of things about this. Believe with your heart and with your mind. So, sorry, you believe with your heart and with your mind you think. Okay? You believe with your heart but with your mind, you think, and on occasions they can be in opposition. In other words, when God spoke to Adam, he spoke to his spirit, but then he reasoned. In other words, the battle begins. So we've got to learn when God speaks, you know, we need to make sure that it's God, but we need to learn to receive it into our heart. 
It's like we need to hear with the eyes, hear with the ears of our heart and see with the eyes of our understanding, as the Bible says. It's like on the inside. You know, when faith comes, it's not something, yeah, I believe in God. It's not that. Well, it is, but it's something far, far deeper. It's like faith on the inside. It is so deep that your life and your experience becomes transformed by what you have experienced. In uh, Ephesians verse uh, 4.23, it gives a vital key. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember last week I spoke about the kingdom of darkness. How uh, when we were born again, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, that we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And, and, you know, we haven't lived over here for all our life. We've lived over here. So even though we have been born again and relocated spiritually, our mind can still be back here. And our self-talk, the words of our mind begin to speak to us and say, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough for this. You'll always fail. You know, you really don't belong in the kingdom of God. You know... No one will ever love you. You'll never break through. You'll never get married. You know? And you begin to say these things about your mind and it's like you're in your heart you believe, but your mind is warring against you. And this is where the scripture says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's self-talk. So, you know, I found that years ago, I used to have a lack of confidence that God would really back me. And then now I just go, I know he's going to do it. The spirit of my mind is being changed. This is a real key. So the first one is the issue of the inward man, the heart, the spirit, the, the hidden man of the heart. Number two, the issue of speech. The issue of speech, if you really hear God, it produces spirit-filled speech. Do you like that? If you really are hearing God, then it produces spirit-filled speech. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. I'll tell you why he was able to say that. You know, Jesus could cast out demons with a word. He spoke to trees and cursed them and they died. He spoke to the waves and they stopped. He spoke to leprosy and people were healed. His words were spirit and they are life. The reason this happens is when we hear God, we hear from heaven, our words become filled with his spirit. It's very powerful. You know, we see things happen when we hear God and we say what he says. If we start to pick up what God is doing we can enter into a new season. I really believe something is happening in the nations. But if your heart is not filled with faith, you can't enter in. It's like you enter in first by believing in your heart and then your speech begins to line up with what God's saying. You know, the scripture says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. This is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Do you know what? You are always prophesying. 
You're either speaking life over your own body or death over your own body. You're speaking life into your marriage or you're speaking death. You're speaking life over your future or you're speaking death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, when God brought Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 37, he asked him a question. There's a valley of dry bones and he says, can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel goes, only you know, Lord. And right there, God gives Ezekiel a key to turning the whole environment round. And he says, prophesy to the bones. So in obedience, Ezekiel begins to speak to the bones. And next thing, there's a rattling of the bones. There's, there's stuff starts to happen. There's miraculous things begin to happen. We have got to learn to speak what God is saying into the atmosphere to speak prophetically and to speak powerfully because the words on my mouth, on my tongue, can be just as powerful as they are on God's tongue if he puts his word in my heart. We can have an assurance of faith. So it's the issue of speech. You know, if you say, I'll never get over this depression, you're probably right. You know, I never seem to get on with my friends. Well, you're probably right. Things have got to change, first in the heart, but then in your mind. You know, often I ask people that are battling with different things and you get a barrier in their speech and it seems like the problem that they are facing is bigger than God. And you know that they're going to be in that zone for a while yet. But when you begin to change what you believe, when you begin to pick up a word about your situation... I know you may be going through tough times, but, you know, I often ask people, well, what is God saying? What is God saying in your crisis? And even if you can get a little measure of faith, you know that this can turn around. And, you know, you can, you've got the measure of faith. The measure of faith can become the possibilities of faith. But if you keep uh, you know, working with God, you can become like the prophet Ezekiel here and he'll say, you prophesy to the bones. And you'll see, you know, you'll see situations turn around. You know, our church can turn around. Our, our business community, you know, our world can begin to change because we are speaking you know, under the authority of God and we are saying what he's saying. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. This is why he spoke so powerfully and prophetically into different situations with instant results. Now, this is the church of the future. Amen. This is the church of the living God. So we need to ask yourself, what is my speech like? You know, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes people speak fear and they speak negativity and they speak you know, uh, like they're blind spiritually. But then others, you can sit with them and you can see, wow, our world can change because your words are either producing death or life. You know, one of the ways you can fix this is get some really good promises that God has given you or verses from the Bible and put them on uh, some big paper and laminate it nicely and put it on your mirror. 
and every day begin to speak life over you because God has got a plan for you and he wants you to win. Such a simple key, but you can turn your life around. You've got to do the work. You know, a lot of people like to hear the message, but they don't like to do the work. You know, we need to work with God and his word until faith becomes a city-changing force on the inside of us. Number one, the issue of the heart. Number two, the issue of speech. Number three, the issue of who God is in you. So when God really reveals himself to you, uh, you know, it is very powerful. The Old Testament prophetically points to Jesus of the New Testament in so many ways. Man, I tell you, you know, when I first started reading the Old Testament, I just didn't get it. But now when I read the Old Testament, I literally see prophetic signposts on every page that point to the future. They point to Jesus. And even they are signposts to the church today that point even further into the future because God has got a plan. In the Old Testament, it points to the nature of Jesus. You know, there are many Old Testament names for Jesus. Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu. These words describe the overcoming nature of Christ. There are so many prophetic signposts. It's mind-blowing. You must know who God is. You know, a lot of people go, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. You know, but they really don't know God. It's like at this point, God has not really been revealed to them. And I remember the time in my life where it began to change. You know, it was sort of like little steps along the way where God began to reveal himself. But one night in a church meeting up in Albury, uh, back in probably 1985, God just blitzed me and revealed himself to me. It was like he, he was tangible in that room. He revealed himself to me and it was like the heavens opened above me. And I've been following him like this ever since. And I wouldn't change it. It's a remarkable, remarkable thing that is indelibly etched on the inside of me. You must know who God is. I started before in Matthew chapter 16 when uh, Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. And he said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, John the Baptist or one of the prophets. But who do you say that he is? You've got to answer that question. Let me tell you, if you ask me who Jesus is, there's a lot of things I could say. He is the creator of the universe. He is the spirit of glory. He is the one that seats on the throne. He is, he is the God of all gods, the Lord of glory. But do you know what he was, who Jesus was? He was God in the flesh. He was God become man. And, uh, you know, he asked Peter the question. He said, well, who do you say that I am? He zeroed in right on him. And this is what I believe that God wants to do with every living soul and definitely every person that is listening to this message. Hey, it is historical fact that Jesus Christ walked the earth 2,000 years ago. 
and uh, our whole time system, our whole calendar reflects that fact. But who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I want to tell you today who Jesus is. He is the Christ. He is the son. He is the living God. That is who he is. The last point I want to bring to you this morning, the fourth issue, is of who are you in Christ? Firstly, you're a temple. You know, you might think, who am I? Am I just some kind of accident? Well, no, you are a temple. I want to say to you that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You were created by God for a specific person. You were created so that God could come and dwell on the inside of you. From the minute you open the door of your life, I mentioned Revelation 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, if any man uh, hears my voice, I knock on the door, and if anyone hears me and opens the door, I'll come in and live in him. This is the greatest mystery of Christianity, is that God comes to live on the inside of our lives. He wants to do that this morning. God wants to come in and live on the inside of you. At the new birth, the minute you receive him, it is like a seed comes into your life. And it begins to grow on the inside. It begins to grow and it is like a new life forms on the inside. This is what it means to be born again. I want to tell you there's something going on on the inside of me. And it started 41 years ago, but it hasn't finished. It's growing in me. It is uh, like, it's a strength in me. It is the life of Christ on the inside of me. And this is what God wants to do in you. He wants to come in. And that seed is going to get set on the inside of your heart. It's the seed of faith. It's an incorruptible seed. It is the seed of Christ. And it begins to form on the inside of you. In the book of Galatians, Paul said this, that it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. As that life begins to form, you begin to overcome. You begin to move forward. You begin to break through. The spirit of your mind becomes changed. You begin to put off the old man, the, the old conduct, and you become God's man. You begin to speak different. You begin to speak words of faith. Your, your words begin to carry something. They carry an energy that is like from God. And you begin to grow in stature. This is what God wants for you, and this is what God wants for his church. And this is what God's doing during this incredible season right now. You can, over time, become so God-inside-minded. Many, many Christians are self-conscious or sometimes selfish. But God wants to make us God-conscious. This is incredible. The four issues I want to remind again. One, the issue of the heart. Number two, the issue of speech. Number three, the issue of who God is in you. And number four, the issue of who you are in Christ. In conclusion, uh, this morning, I want to say to you this, that we are in an incredible new season and that God has 
made available during this time the grace to overcome. I want to say to you that have struggled and battled and maybe battling with all sorts of things, I want to declare over you that this is your time. This is your time for a breakthrough. Even speaking through this camera right now, I believe there are those, and I just uh, believe the Holy Spirit just showed me someone who's got a degenerating disc in the bottom of your back there, and it's really creating a lot of problem. Well, I believe that God is going to bring healing into your life, even as you reach out. I see you as in such need because you can't do what you need to do. You know, you might think, is that me? I want to say to you, if you reach out this morning, even reach out with your hands in front of your television set, I believe that the anointing of the Spirit will begin to touch you. Jesus said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and he has anointed me to heal. That is what the Word says. And I release that healing anointing into backs, and I speak to arthritis now, and I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are the Lord of glory and you are our healer. Oh God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. You can know who God is. You must know what has happened for you, what Jesus won at the cross. And you must know who you are in him and who he is in you. You might think, I haven't even started this journey. I don't even know what I believe. Well, this is what we do. This morning, wherever you are, I want you to stand and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, opens the door, I'll come in and I'll live in him. I'll dine with him and he with me. It's like God and you want to become one. God is extending his heart for you. And when you say yes to him, your life will change. His word says if you draw near to him, even in your lounge room this morning, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He will meet you where you are. And this is just the most extraordinary, wonderful day if you would do that. Um, right now, I'd just like you to stand in your lounge room and wherever you are, and we're going to pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your Son and that he died on the cross at Calvary, that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and to be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life. Because your word is truth, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that I am born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been my real uh, privilege to bring this word to you this morning. And, you know, if you prayed that prayer, then we would be just so um, excited to hear from you. Uh, you can contact us through our, uh, our website. 
And uh, even if you're here in this region of Gippsland, you're most welcome to come and uh, join us for one of our services here. Uh, or we can refer you to a church near you. If there are people in other cities or states, we would love to you to, to connect you with a church that really believes in the Bible and who Jesus is and are genuinely following him. God bless you and have a wonderful week.